Amen. Good morning. Uh, good to see you in church, and good to see those of you who I can't see actually, but are actually watching, be it in Haida Gwaii or be it in a home somewhere. Let's pray and ask the Lord to help us this morning. Father, we bow in your presence this morning because you're the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And we give you honor, and we give you praise, and you give you glory. And we ask, Lord, this morning as we have gathered in the house of the Lord or gathered at home to watch or at Haida Gwaii, we pray, Lord, that you'll just open our hearts, open our ears to hear your word, and open your heart, our hearts to receive your word. May your name be glorified and may the kingdom of God be extended because we ask you together in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. I don't know if you can go back as far as I can go in terms of life itself, whether you ever played the game hide-and-seek when you were young. Uh, I can remember way back when I was a kid and playing with the kids in the park or whatever it was. And uh, if you don't know the game, let me give you quickly the idea that one person was chosen to uh, catch somebody else. And uh, that person would either turn and face the wall or a bush or whatever or hide their eyes and count. And when they finished counting, they would turn and find whoever was, was not hidden. And so, here it is. I'm hiding. I'm covering my eyes. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. I'd turn around and I'd holler in a loud voice, Coming! Ready or not? Ah, I see. Okay, you know that story. One day, perhaps much sooner than you think, the voice of Jesus will cry out to the whole world, to every man, every woman, every tribe, every race or nature, and he'll cry out, Come in! Ready or not? Are you ready for Jesus to come? Andrew Crouch wrote a song or a hymn some while back. Soon and very soon we are going to see the King. Soon and very soon. Come on. We are going to see the King. Soon and very soon we are going to see the King. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We're going to see the King. Let me ask you, when the cry comes from heaven itself, come up here. Are you ready? All Scripture speaks of it. Revelation chapter 11 verse 12 says, Then he heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Come up here. And they went up to heaven in a cloud while their enemies looked on. Daniel chapter 12, verse 2 says, Multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to everlasting life, 
and others to shame and everlasting contempt. John writes in the New Testament, chapter 5 and verse 28, do not be amazed, for the time is coming when all who are in the graves will hear His voice. Or if you go again to Revelation, the final book of the Bible, chapter 22 and verse 12, behold, Jesus says, I come quickly, and my reward is with me to give every man according as work shall be. Folks, when Jesus comes again, it'll involve the power of the resurrection, for the dead in Christ shall rise first. When Jesus comes, it will involve the power of the rapture, for Paul tells us that those who are alive and when the rapture comes will be caught up to meet Him in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Also, there are a multitude of promises, but listen to four, that are obviously fulfilled when Jesus is going to come back again. This is a promise of rescue. Jesus is going to take His church out of this world. There's the promise of reunion, the phrase, together with them implies the fact that you and I will enjoy a blessed reunion with those who have already been taken in death. There's the promise of revelation, for the Bible says, so shall we ever be with the Lord. Can you imagine seeing Jesus literally for the first time? Imagine being welcomed by Jesus into heaven. Man, what a glorious day that will be. Or the promise of rejoicing. So shall we ever be with the Lord. That implies that you and I are going to be with Him forever in heaven itself. And so consider with me this morning quickly at least four aspects of His second coming. First, are you going to indicate this morning that you are living a holy and a godly life because you are expecting Jesus to return anytime? Peter asked the question in chapter 3, verse 11, in 2 Peter 3, 11, since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to be living holy lives and godly lives. The signs of the times in which you and I are living today and in these years indicate that the coming of the Lord may be very near. Perhaps the cry will be much sooner than expected. Come in! ready or not. All Scripture teaches very clearly that Jesus is going to return. Listen to the Scripture this morning. Acts chapter 1 verse 11, men of Galilee said, and this is when Jesus goes back into heaven, men of Galilee angels said, why do you stand looking into the sky? This same Jesus, not another one, not somebody else. This same Jesus 
who has been taken from you up into heaven shall so come back in the like way or the same manner as you've seen him go into heaven. Second Peter is full of it. Chapter 3, verses 10 through 14. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. And then the heavens will pass away with a roar. And the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved. And the earth and the works that are done in it will be exposed. And since all those things will be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be? Living lives of holiness and godliness. Waiting for the hastening of the coming of the day of the Lord. Because that day the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved and the heavenly bodies will be melting. Therefore, beloved, listen to his words. Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these things, you ought to be found diligent, without spot and without blemish, and at peace in him. If you go to Second Peter chapter 3 and verse 17, it's clear. Therefore, beloved, seeing you know these things before, in other words, you know them now, beware lest you also be led away with the error of the wicked and fall from your own steadfastness, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory forever and ever, now and forever. Peter says, very simply, very plainly, you and I ought to live holy and godly lives. Peter is simply asking a question. Does your life, does your character indicate that you expect Jesus to return maybe any time? Do you remember? I'm sure you do. Let me go back quickly with you. Remember the story in Exodus chapter 8, verses 8 to 10. It's the story of Moses and Pharaoh and the plagues and all that, so this is the context of it. Aaron said, uh, Moses and Aaron said, pray to, sorry, let me get it straight. Moses said to Pharaoh, pray to the Lord and take the frogs, this is one of the plagues, away from me and my people, and I'll let your people go and offer sacrifices unto the Lord. And Moses said to Pharaoh, now listen to his words, Moses said to Pharaoh, I leave to you the honor of setting the time for me to pray for you and your officials and your people that you and your houses may be rid of the frogs forever except for those that remain in the Nile. And Pharaoh said, tomorrow. And Moses replied, it will be as you say, so that you may know that there is one eternal, like the Lord God of glory. In essence, Pharaoh said, give me more, one more night with the frogs. I was fascinated by this the first time. Somebody pointed it out to me as we were reading and studying. Give me one more night with the frogs. 
And I've thought about it many times since that first time that it dawned upon me what the Scripture actually said. And I realized that this is very similar to the response of many people to God. God says, do you want me to change the situation? Do you want me to come tonight and take you away to glory? Do you want me to free you from the bondage of sin? And yet so many reply, well, yes, but give me one more night with the frogs. Give me one night more with my situation. One more night with my bondage. One more night with my problems. All because deep down we don't want to give up the things which are holding us back from moving forward with God. Maybe it's pornography. It's so easy to push the button on the computer. Maybe it's that female or male relationship which you really don't want to break up with. Maybe it's the business practice that you don't want to stop because it's being profitable. I'm gaining by it. And so we say, yes, God. Yes, God. Yes, God. I want deliverance. But give me one more night with the frogs. It's like the amazing question that Jesus asked the man at the pool at Bethesda. John chapter 5, verse 6. Do you want to be made whole? And you ask, doesn't everybody want to be made whole? There was a girl who was in a healing line of a crusade, a healing crusade, some years back. And she came in front of the evangelist who was praying for folk. And the evangelist stopped. Here's the girl in front of her, in front of him. And he said, I'll not pray for you until you go home and forgive your mother. And she ran out of the building screaming, saying, I'll never forgive my mother. A number of days later, she came back into that particular campaign, and she testified. She said, I went home, and I realized that I really did want to be healed. And I realized I really did need to forgive a mother, and I did. I forgave her, and God healed me. What's your response this morning? As God talks to you about something in your life that needs to go, that has been like a plague in your life, that has held you back from really going on with God. Hey, hey, is it God? Give me one more night with those frogs. We would say how stupid Pharaoh was. Well, don't get the point. Don't point the finger in his direction because some of you are saying right now, God, give me one more night with the frogs. Listen carefully to me. God gives you the choice. So are you living a holy and a godly life since you are expecting Jesus to return? Secondly, let me ask you a question, a second question. Are you ready to report to Jesus? Paul writes in Thessalonians, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16, for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, 
with the sound of the trumpet, and the dead in Christ shall rise first, and then we who are alive and remain will be caught up to meet Him in the air, and so will we ever be with the Lord. But listen to Scripture. At the resurrection, everyone is going to report to Jesus. From the funeral pyres in India and Africa, from the crematoriums in Thailand, from the burial grounds in the Columbria that dot the landscape of every land. Everyone needs to be ready because the dead as well as the living are going to hear His voice. And death is not the end. There is going to be a resurrection for everyone. And then everyone is going to report to Jesus. And the question is, come on, the question is, are you ready? Daniel chapter 12, verse 2 says, Multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth are going to awake, some to everlasting life, and others to shame and everlasting contempt. John tells us in chapter 5, verse 28 through 29, Don't be amazed at this, for a time is coming when all who are in their graves will hear His voice. And will come out, those who have done good will rise to live, and those who have done evil will be condemned. And Paul challenges Felix, remember in that situation in Acts chapter 24 and verse 15. Paul says, I have the same hope in God as these men. And there's going to be a resurrection of both the righteous and the wicked. Tell me, are you ready to report to Jesus? Matthew challenges us this morning with three pictures that Jesus painted for us about getting prepared now to report. For our report time is yet future to us this morning. Peter says, if you think the Lord is coming back soon, you ought to live holy and godly lives. And the challenge really doesn't need much explanation. Holiness means separated unto God and apart for God, and godly means a life characterized by godliness, and all of us know that this is not just words, but character and the actions of character. Peter is asking, come on, I have to answer the question, you have to answer the question. Peter is asking, does your life does your character indicate that you're expecting Jesus to return? And you're ready for it? Are you ready to report to Jesus? Thirdly, let me ask you a question. Are you looking forward to that day of the return of Jesus Christ? Jesus, amid his preaching about the signs of the times, inserted two stories with which people are very, very familiar, the story of Noah and the story of Lot. Luke chapter 17, and it's not my words, it's Scripture. Luke chapter 17, verses 26 to 30, read in this manner. Just as it was in the days of Noah, listen to the words, just as it was in the days of Noah, so also will it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. 
People were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage up to that day when Noah entered the ark. And then the flood came and destroyed them all. It was the same in the days of Lot. People were eating and drinking, buying and selling, planting and building. But the day Lot left Sodom, fire and sulfur rained down from heaven and destroyed it all. It'll be just like this, says Luke, on the day when the Son of Man is revealed. Jesus said, as it was in the days of Noah and Lot, so shall it be in the days when Jesus shall return again. Lots of people are going to be totally unaware, and multitudes are going to be totally unconcerned. But Jesus startles us with a very brief and a very blunt statement. Remember Lot's wife. As you think about the story of Mrs. Lot, Jesus is simply saying, when the cry, come in ready or not, is heard, don't be attached to think things that are down here. Don't head back to home to grab something else. Don't hold back for anything that's down here. She looked back. But you say, well, what's wrong with one last look? It indicated a divided heart. It indicated a divided will. She wanted a little bit of heaven, but a lot of hell. And she looked back, and she lagged behind, and Someone, she said, is trying to save me against my will, and I'm still in love with Sodom. And she became a pillar of salt. Folks, listen to the story. Jesus did not turn her back. Jesus tried to turn her upward. Jesus did not condemn her to hell. God's in the business of saving people from hell. But God gave us a split-second exposure of that woman to startle us, and it's meant to startle us. She was too attached to things. She headed back to grab something else. She held on to things that were down here, and she lingered. And she became a pillar of salt. Peter asks you, are you looking forward to Jesus coming back again? Or are you tied to this old world and its things and its sin and the ways so that you too want a little bit of heaven but a lot of hell? If you cannot say, I'm looking forward to Jesus coming, better remember Lot's wife. Folks, are you making any effort to grow spiritually in light of his coming? Second Peter, again, Peter's very prolific in his talk about this. But in Second Peter chapter four, 3 and verse 14, So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward, make every effort, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace or in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, grow 
in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to Him be glory now and forevermore. Here's the challenge. In the light of Jesus' soon return, and maybe it's quicker than we expect, Peter says, grow now spiritually. Grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Grace is an unmerited favor of God. The more you grow in grace, the more you realize what you have in Jesus Christ. And the more you realize what you have in Jesus Christ, the more you realize what you owe Him. A life totally, totally lived in accordance with His will and His desire. Grow in grace. And in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. There's only one way that I know of to grow, and that is by reading and studying the Word of God, by absorbing His truth, by praying, by delighting in His pathways. Examine your life. Right now. Because if you are going to see Jesus when He comes, you will also give an account to Him of what you have done since you accepted Him into your heart and life. Because Peter says, we're all supposed to be growing spiritually. No wonder Peter says, make every effort. Got that? Make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with Him. Spotless in relation to your own life. Blameless in relation to those around you. And at peace with Him because of His presence of the Holy Spirit in your heart and life. Let me ask you, are you looking forward to that day? Fourthly, consider the challenge to the people in the churches. In the very first book of Revelation, John writes about things, and this is his word, not mine, things that will surely, shortly come to pass. You know the story, so let me go very quickly through the churches in Ephesus. Jesus says, you left your first love. They had, if you look at the story, discernment, but without love. Jesus is rebuking them because the loss of Himself in their hearts and their lives, a warning against a devotion that characterized new converts so often, they become lukewarm and self-reliant and tolerant of error. Look at Smyrna. You need to be faithful unto death. The issue is not, if you read the, the story of Smyrna, the issue is not birth from flesh, but birth in the Spirit. It's not just circumcision of flesh, but it's the cleansing of your heart by the Spirit. Martyrdom, the apparent defeat, is paradoxically the supreme victory in the crown of the eternal life. If you go to Pergamos, Jesus I've got a few things against you. You'd better remember the story of Balaam. Remember Balaam who tries to take people away from the things of God. It was a withstanding of persecution from without 
but a condoning of sin or Nicolaitan truth within. The need to resist temptation, the need to conform for the sake of personal convenience, and the white stone points to a climax. Remember Romans, for whom he did foreknow, he did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Thyatira, you allow that woman Jezebel, but he ends with he that overcometh. Again, they have love, but without any discernment, and the prophet prophetess was amongst them, and she speaks of evil that had permeated the church, and Jesus demands of you and me again this morning perfect loyalty. You can't play around. He demands perfect loyalty. If you go to Sardis, he says, be watchful of your deeds, for they're not perfect. And again, go back to Revelation chapter 3, verse 3. Remember then what you've received and heard. Keep it and uh, repent, because if you don't wake up, I'll come like a thief, and you'll not know at what hour I will come. Philadelphia is the open church, and he ends with the story of that open church, I am coming quickly. And then Laodicea, you're not hot or cold, and uh, I will chasten you and rebuke you. And uh, Laodicea had everything, basically. At least it seemed they did. They had financial affluence. They were insulated, as it were, from threatens, but only God can clear our eyesight, only God can cover our nakedness, only God can make the poor rich. Jesus is not just a homeless traveler. He's going to knock on the door seeking shelter, and let me tell you, he is the master of the house. And one day, and perhaps very soon, he's going to burst through that door of your house in judgment. What do we need? John is saying in the first couple of chapters of Revelation, what do we need to correct as we wait for the coming of Jesus? And so the challenge to everyone is grow spiritually in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord and Savior. Grace, that unmerited favor of God. And the knowledge of the old Lord is the only way to grow by developing your, your thirst and your hunger for the things of God. Examine your life in this very moment in the light of the fact that Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. And when he comes, we, We'll give an account to him for what we have done since we became born again or children of God. Spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. Consider what God is challenging you as the church to do today. Let me ask you again very solemnly and sincerely, are you ready for the cry from heaven? Come in!
ready or not. Here are Peter's questions. Are you living a godly and holy life because you are expecting Jesus? Are you ready to report to Jesus? Are you looking forward to that particular day? Consider Jesus' challenge to the church today. Matthew chapter 25 tells the story of ten virgins waiting for the groom. Unfortunately, five were not ready. Verse 13 says, Therefore, you know neither the time or the hour when the Son of Man cometh, but you've got to be ready. Luke in chapter 17 tells us there were two in bed and only one was ready. One was not ready. And again in that passage it says, thus shall it be when the Son of Man cometh. Or you go back again to Matthew chapter 24, the previous chapter, tells us that two were in business together and one was ready and one was not. Watch therefore, for you know neither the hour nor the day when the Son of Man cometh. Let me conclude with a thought this morning. Remember, your citizenship is actually in heaven. Philippians chapter 3 and verses 18 through 21 say, many of whom I've often told you and tell you with tears, walk as enemies of the cross. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly and their glory and shame and set their mind on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven. And from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform this lowly body to be like His glorious body by the power that enables Him to subject all things unto Himself. Folk, if our citizenship is in heaven, then we must live as aliens down here. We don't belong. We must make a difference in the world around us because if we do, then people looking, knowing, walking, business with us will say, hey man, I can tell by the way you walk and talk something's different about you. And we'll have opportunity to witness. The Bible warns us that if we enjoy living down here or enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin, eventually they lead us up, they'll squeeze the spiritual life out of us, and instead we are to live in expectancy of a future glory. We're going to be transformed. We're going to have new bodies like His glorious body. And we're going home one day. That's going to be wonderful. And when people see the difference in you, and they should see the difference in you because your citizenship is in heaven, they're going to say, 
What gives you a reason to live the way you do and to talk the way you do and to act the way you do? Remember your citizenship and the impact of the gospel under God is directly related to your willingness to be totally transformed. Today is the day of opportunity for you to be different. I challenge you, get hold of that opportunity. Because one day, and I say again, and this is my opinion, okay, because of the days in which we live and the age in which we live and all the things that are going on, it may not be very long before Jesus steps from his throne of glory, comes to what it, the edge of eternity, I suppose, and all the world, every part of the world, and you and I as well, will hear that cry, come in, ready or not. Let me ask you, are you ready? Are you ready? Soon and very soon, we are going to see the King. Soon and very soon, we're going to see the king soon and very soon. We are going to see the king. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We're going to see the king. Are you ready? Are you ready? Pray with me. Bow your heads and pray with me. And now, may the God of peace himself Make you holy through and through. May your whole being, spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. For the one who calls you is faithful, and he will accomplish it. Amen. Leave the church today. Go about your business today. Go about your business in the week which lies ahead if Jesus tarries. And remember, remember, one day he's going to come back. One day he's going to come back. Come in! Ready or not. And folk, he is going to come. God bless you. Father, go with